This is episode six of Everyday Wellness, the gut whisperer, Tina Johnson, changing your gut microbiome changes everything. I'm Dr. Kelly Donahue, clinical health psychologist, here with my co-host, Cynthia Thurlow, nurse practitioner and functional nutritionist. Let's get started. Welcome to Everyday Wellness. Wellness is the result of the decisions that you make every day. It's your mindset and the thoughts you believe. Wellness is the food you put in your body and the relationship you have with yourself and others. Wellness is your work and meaning. Join us on Everyday Wellness as we explore ways that you can choose wellness today. Hello, hello. This is Everyday Wellness. And today we have um, our friend Tina Johnson, uh, who is a nutritional therapist and a registered nurse with over 25 years of experience in critical care medicine. She had a health scare nearly 10 years ago that led her down the path of nutritional healing when medicine failed her. And this resulted in her training to become a nutritional therapy practitioner who specializes in gut health, the microbiome, and celiac disease. She's well-known within her community as the Olive Lady, which I love. Um, And Tina is a master fermenter and frequently teaches classes on how to ferment anything, but those olives of hers are to die for. When she's not working at helping people change their gut health, Tina Tina can be found playing her piano or out in the garden growing delicious organic foods. Tina, welcome. We're so excited to have you here this morning. Thank you, Cynthia. It's so lovely to be here. Absolutely. You know, and I love, you know, that kind of dichotomy of, you know, your Western medicine training, and then, you know, your functional training. And so I'd love to hear how that kind of, you know, how that transition actually happened. I think because we share that I always like to hear other healthcare providers journeys. Yeah, it's so fascinating to talk to another nurse who's also come down the same path. Mm -hmm. So basically, for me, I was uh, an extremely healthy uh, woman in my 40s. And, um, was walking down the street one day in an icy day, slipped on some ice, uh, simple ground level fall, shattered my spine. Oh my God. I I was healthy, I was training every day with my horse, I was hoping to advance through the ranks with my horse. And um, I didn't understand how this happened and I saw actually five different doctors and one of them used to tell me every time I saw him you are the healthiest person in my practice. Why did this happen to you? Mm -hmm. And I said, isn't that your job to figure that out? (laughs) So eventually I saw a naturopath. She heard my story, tested me for celiac disease, and it turns out I had undiagnosed celiac disease, which led to severe osteoporosis. And so my bones were quite brittle at the time. Um, Since have corrected that, but when I realized that my food could be causing me to have such issues, I totally dove down that rabbit hole, found the Nutritional Therapy Association, became a nutritional therapy practitioner, and now I'm fully on board with the holistic ways and understand that medicine just isn't looking at the root cause of disease anymore. Mm -hmm. And most doctors that I talk to don't even understand celiac disease. So um, that's been my focus, that and understanding how the microbiome and the gut is literally what steers the entire health of the human being. So gut health kind of became a focus when I um, 
started to eliminate foods from my diet and other types of issues arose, issues like SIBO and Epstein-Barr. And I couldn't understand if I was eliminating the grains and the gluten that were causing me the initial issue, then why was my gut still compromised? So I did, started to do studying and I studied and went to every single conference I could on SIBO, learned everything I could, helped to develop protocols for a lot of my clients. Um, and then I discovered that those of us with celiac disease are predisposed to things like SIBO and Hashimoto's and, and because the gut is so compromised, both the small intestine and, and as well as the large intestine is often uh, full of different types of bacteria that our bodies really cannot function well with. Um, you know, through the NTA, I learned that proper digestion is key, but it all literally starts in the gut. So I basically went down that rabbit hole and tried learning everything I can so that I can now help others as well as keeping myself healthy. Well, it must be innately frustrating. I know even during my nurse practitioner training that there was very little education devoted to celiac. It might have even been very cursory, um, you know, let alone SIBO. So I, I'm sure for you, um, having gone, you know, undiagnosed for so many years, um, I'd love to hear, you know, from your perspective, was there a time in your life that you can kind of pinpoint when that um, health was impacted so significantly that it made you, made you much more prone to an autoimmune disorder? You know, that's what all the, the SIBO trained folks say is what was that one particular moment? What was the food poisoning that you had? And there really wasn't one for me. And I think that's why my case is so um, indicative of why we need to dig deeper mm -hmm. because there wasn't an actual episode of food poisoning. I did teach nursing in Vietnam. So I spent a summer there eating all sorts of foods and I had a couple of bouts of, of vomiting, but it wasn't something that I would anticipate would cause such a huge issue in my gut further down the road. Mm -hmm. So I cannot pinpoint one particular reason why I got SIBO. The only thing that I can say is as I started to change my microbiome by changing the foods in my diet, the overgrowths I think took over. Mm -hmm. um, and that's one reason why I started to dig deeper into the microbiome education is because with nutritionists, we're so focused on eliminating certain foods, which I totally stand behind, but sometimes eliminating those foods can create bigger issues as well. Absolutely. You know, the, the longer, and, and Kelly, please chime in, I, I think that the longer that I do this work, the more I'm humbled, I mean, truly, truly humbled um, at how those delicate balances, and they really are delicate, when they're disrupted, it impacts so many things. Absolutely. So when, yeah, so when you have clients that, that come to you, especially with your niche, um, are there specific complaints or concerns that they express that kind of allow you to kind of narrow in on, on, this, on this focus over anything else? You know, it, it can be anywhere from emotional disorders, weight gain, um, lots of digestive disorders, whether that's, uh, you know, I never seem like to be digesting my food or my fart smell in the evening, <laughs> or I'm bloated all the time. You know, it's the very typical things that um, people run to their doctors for. I see it all the time mm -hmm. when I look at patients charts when I'm working in the hospital. It's, yeah. it's all the very same thing. But the bottom line is, is, first of all, what's their diet look like? Is it loaded mm -hmm. with sugar? Is it loaded with processed foods? How many vegetables do they eat? Do they tolerate eating vegetables? Um, and so, you know, it, it's such a variety of things, but I really try to dial deep into looking at what is their, what is their gut telling me? 
mm-hmm. and, and, and try to start from there. You're kind of the gut whisperer. Yeah, I kind of am, actually. I kind of am. <laughs> I was struck when you said some people really can't even tolerate vegetables. Can you talk a little bit more about that and tell us what you do for those types of folks? Absolutely. So I know that seems really surprising, but there are so many different types of vegetables that can create um, bloating and other issues for people that have simple overgrowth. And so they just think, oh, well, I have a sensitivity to these foods. Well, it's not necessarily a sensitivity to those foods. It's actually that you maybe have too many methanogen type bacteria in your gut and that creates, uh, uh, they cannot tolerate that and so they create more gas and so that makes the, the person feel more uncomfortable when they eat things. So it's, it's pretty much when someone tells me that they cannot tolerate something, including grains, including gluten. Now I have celiac disease and I, I understand, I've done all of the training that basically shows gluten is not healthy for any human being. It breaks Mm -hmm. apart the gut junctions. It's just not a healthy food. Um, However, when people start eliminating foods, that's a huge red flag for me that they need to dig deep and find out where's the overgrowth coming from, what's going on with their gut, how lacking is their microbiome. So do we need to just rebuild the microbiome um, to get them back to the point where they can eat more foods? I, I really frown on telling people eliminate all of these foods from your diet because then we go down a completely different pathway of you know uh, eating disorders and people feel isolated because they can't go out to a restaurant and eat Mm -hmm. so I I try to look at the whole picture of this individual and try not to make their life utterly miserable while they're you know going through therapy and I think that's really the key is you know creating um, changes that are going to be sustainable or are not going to put someone in a position where you mentioned not being able to go out to dinner or enjoy a meal with their family. I know even, you know, personally, and, and Kelly and I were talking about this before we jumped on, I'm, I'm in the midst of a six month elimination diet. And, um, you know, some of the foods make it a little more challenging, but it's amazing when you know that your safe foods are meat and vegetables and you go out to a restaurant, there's no excuse for me not being able to find something to eat. Exactly. Um, but it's it's all that mindset piece too. And and even with my own clients, I'll say, focus on what you can eat and not what you can't. Because if you get focused on the... A great deal about our focus on everyday wellness is on supporting gut health. And one of my new favorite ways to recommend to family and friends and even clients is to consider colostrum. And so Equip Foods has an amazing product that helps to improve immunity and gut health and recovery. And each scoop contains grass-fed, pasture-raised, antibiotic-free colostrum. And if you're wondering what colostrum is, it's a nutritional powerhouse that serves as the first source of nutrition for mammals in nature. It's been shown to enhance immune function, gut health, and recovery with vital nutrients such as lactoferrin, growth factors, and prolon-rich polypeptides. Colostrum is a natural milk-like fluid produced by mammals immediately following delivery of the newborn. And while colostrum is a dairy product, it does not contain milk or lactose. So most people with lactose intolerance usually find colostrum very easily digestible and beneficial to gut health. You can use one scoop a day. You can mix it in things like coffee or mix it in shakes or even yogurt or even some of your baked food recipes. As I mentioned, has a lot of health benefits, including research demonstrating the improvement in a reduction in inflammation, 
promoting good gut flora and supporting restoring leaky gut to normal permeability. And what I love best is that Equip Foods is very ethically focused. Their cows are humanely raised and ethically treated and cows produce an excess of colostrum when nursing. So only after their babies get what they need, are they able to source the excess colostrum for use in their products. There is three grams of colostrum in each scoop and one serving in comparison to main competitors has just one gram. And research demonstrates that this dose of three grams actually promotes more benefits to gut health, immune function, recovery, and vitality. So if you'd love to take care of your health, you can go to www.equipfoods.com slash Cynthia20 to get 20% off your first order. That's www.equip. E-Q-U-I-P foods.com slash Cynthia 20. You definitely want to check this out. Mighty Maca is a superfood drink mix full of 30 plus natural ingredients. And it was formulated by Dr. Anna Kabeca during her healing journey. Mighty Maca Plus ingredients, which include nourishing ingredients like organic maca powder, turmeric, quercetin, broccoli, parsley, trans resveratrol, pomegranate extract, and more were carefully selected for immune support to sustain energy, provide mental clarity, and improve recovery. It also tastes delicious. It supports healthy detoxification and alkalinity in the body, balances hormones, fights free radicals, and neutralizes lactic acid, all while increasing your energy and vitality. It helps improve your digestion and reignites your libido. It's a powerful superfood drink mix that needs to be part of your daily routine. And Dr. Anna is offering my listeners 10% off your first purchase by using the link DrAnna.com slash Cynthia. That's 10% off your first per that's 10% off your first purchase by using the link DrAnna.com slash Cynthia. It's delicious and nutritious. The latter and not the former, you're really going to struggle with those changes. That's so very true. So very true. And and people just really struggle with the I can't. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I like to empower people to make wise choices that help their health versus, you know, yeah, it's so easy to go grab that ice cream, but let's maybe look for something that's a little bit of a better choice that is going to help fuel your body and feed your body versus do more damage. Yeah, well, and it goes back to that same piece of, um, you know, if you, if you look at food as fuel, and I'm sure Kelly can speak to this in greater detail, because you I'm sure you do a lot of this work with your own your own um, patients, but looking at food as fuel versus looking at food as an emotional, um, I don't want to use the word crutch, because it sounds judgmental. But if that's how you utilize food, then you're going to you're going to have a greater time, greater difficulty being able to make those changes for yourself, even if it's a short term effort, um, than the people that look at it as okay, it's all about putting good quality food in my body, that'll make it run efficiently so that I'll feel good and have more energy and whatever, whatever, whatever else they're looking to achieve. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And I think so many times people turn to the foods that are inherently bad for their gut, Mm -hmm. things that do have wheat and do have a lot of uh, processed sugar and unhealthy oils, those things that can contribute to a leaky gut. So those are often the the go-to foods for coping. And in addition to what you both were saying about being able to go out and socialize and be with friends, I also think it's super important to be around others who understand this and recognize it. And for me, that's 
one of the places where podcasts come in so that I can get in touch with those people who are understanding that I need to do this to have a healthy gut or I need to eliminate this maybe just short term rather than my current group of friends who might not might not understand it and worse yet might try to potentially even sabotage or make fun of my efforts. I'm wondering if you encounter that type of issue with your clients, Tina. You know, I do. Um, You know, everyone essentially wants to be helpful, uh, but everyone also has a different view as to what is healthy. We are currently in a society that thinks that a vegan diet may be healthy for some and a, a, you know, paleo diet might be healthy for others and the ketogenic diet might be healthy for some. And, you know, so, so you've got people who think that they understand what is healthy and they try to encourage everyone to do that. And I oftentimes have clients bring their family and or friends to the office so that everyone's on board and can support them through this journey. Uh, And I find that having a support system is uh, an important part of their healing process. And, you know, it's, it's fascinating. As you start to dig deeper, people um, don't really understand what's healthy food out there. Mm -hmm. And, and it just, it blows my mind. Of course, I'm, you know, I'm very deep into this type of, of uh, work, but it blows my mind when I walk into a grocery store, how much food in there is processed as a processed product. It's not truly food anymore. Uh, You know, how much of our food is poisoned, how much of it uh, just doesn't nourish the body at all. And so many people don't understand that, that aspect of it. So as nutritional therapists, we have a lot of work to do out there. Yeah, absolutely. So it sounds as if you initially focus on those symptoms that brought the client in and try to figure out what might be causing it in terms of eliminating some of those foods. Could you talk about where you go from there? So I do. I do start with diet. First, the first appointment, usually we start with diet. We look at, uh, I do a timeline on people and look at their health history from the beginning. Is there an actual thing that caused their issues? You know, are they... Are they stressed out? Do they sleep poorly? Um, you know, did they go through a divorce and all of a sudden now all of their gut issues were triggered? So I look at the whole thing and start by changing the diet and try to kind of get things calmed down. Um, after that, if we're having success with that, sometimes I'll just stick with diet. But more often than not, I try to dig deeper. Let's dig deep. Let's not spend three years working with me. I like to give people a you know, six-month, nine-month package and get them out of my office, basically, you know, teach Mm -hmm. them, well, you know, teach them everything I know, I I don't want people to have to continually rely on this, I want to teach them what their body needs, and then set them free and let them fly away and have that knowledge base, because that's empowering. And then if they, you know, need me in the future, they travel someplace to pick up a parasite and come back and see me and we can take Mm -hmm. care of that. But, you know, it's it's uh, more empowering when you teach people how to listen to the signals their body is sending them and how to understand what those are saying. Um, And so once I reach the next phase after the diet, if the diet doesn't work alone, then I start digging deeper and doing some testing options, stool testing, I'll test the microbiome, uh, I'll do some blood testing on them to, to see what else is going on, you know, have they got an overgrowth in their gut that has created so much of an issue that they're not digesting, they're not absorbing their food, and now they've got Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's an interesting conundrum that once you s- don't have the nutrition that your body needs, how all of these different types of 
labels, also known as diagnoses, start popping up. And um, I try to stay away from labels. Um, I don't treat people as a nutritional therapist. So I really don't like to say, oh, this person's coming in so that I can take care of her lupus. That's not what works for me. I start looking at the nutrition. What is it that their body needs and go from there? I think that's wonderful. I, you know, I believe and I could be incorrect, but you trained with Tom O'Brien. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Love Tom. Love Dr. Him. Tom. Yeah. He's yeah. great. He's fantastic. Um, just out of curiosity, I'd love to know what type of stool testing you use. Are you on the GI map bandwagon or do you have other modalities that you prefer to use? I like the GI map and oat tests the best. I think the GI map is probably the best test that we currently have. And I say currently because I know that the technology is changing all the time. And as mm -hmm. of right now, it's probably the best test that we offer. And the oat test I find is a better test for candida. Um, you know, and it, it's one of those things that if you don't find answers using that test, then sometimes I'll go to something different. But the, for right now, that is that is what I choose. And the last week alone, I found, oh my goodness, salmonella poisoning. I mm -hmm. found, you know, I see strep and staph infections all the time. I found TB this, this last week. So, you know, wow. it's, it's fascinating to me what we harbor in our stool. And uh, you know, based on the microbiome, your body really wants to try to keep you in a, a homeostatic state where it tries to keep you healthy. But then we get these bacterial overgrowths and you get this low-lying endotoxin or toxemia, if you will, into the body and people just feel puny. And there's mm -hmm. really no way, other way to describe it. And if you can knock down those overgrowths, rebuild the good bacteria to what we assume, now we truly, you know, the microbiome science is really quite new. So we assume we know what the gut needs. Um, you can usually get people back to a state of optimal health. And that's my ultimate goal. And then teach them well, what are the foods, you know, what prebiotic foods can they have? And uh, working with SIBO clients, prebiotics are a huge uh, bone of contention with a lot of practitioners. They don't want prebiotics around. I'm of the opposite theory, I want a lot of prebiotic foods for these people, because we need to rebuild the microbiome rather than mm -hmm. kill it off when we're trying to attack uh, a particular bug. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's really fascinating for me that we have to dig deep into the microbiome. Once we use these stool tests like the GI map, then where do we go from here? Right, right. You know, and it's funny, I totally geek out over GI map. I've been using that for about 13, 14 months. Um, and I think it's one of the most powerful tests we have at our disposal, really. Um, and even with my clients, when I'm talking to them and explaining, um, you know, some of the findings, I the very first one that I ran, I had someone come up positive for C. diff who had been sick as stink uh, for a while and came up not negative for SIBO. And I remember she took the results to her primary care provider um, at my request and uh, reviewed them with her. And the primary care provider said, there's no way this test is valid. Right. So they sent off a culture, which as we know, is not definitive, whereas DNA testing is. And long story short, um, this young woman was smart enough that she didn't take her primary care providers, um, you know, dismissal, she then went to a GI doctor who said, I think this is probably one of the most powerful tests I've seen yet. And I totally agree with this nurse practitioner that you're working with. That's fantastic. But I do agree with you that there's obviously limitations to everything. But I think it's nice to have a bit more information. And 
uh, you know, certainly for those of us that have got all this Western medicine training, some of these bugs, you think to yourself, well, I didn't know that you would be excreting that in your stool. Um, for me, it, you know, there's been a lot of moments where I've had to go back and kind of scratch my head and go back to my microbiology days um, to just remember how prevalent these things can be in our bodies. So I think that's wonderful that you're you're enjoying that um, that technology at your disposal within your own practice as well. You know, I've, I've always said that if I literally could win the lottery, I would love to do a study. Uh, having been a former ER nurse, I used to watch people come into the ER all the time with staph infections. What, mm-hmm. does, what does their stool look like is what mm-hmm. I'm thinking. You know, are these people, do they have such a huge toxemia going on uh, with staph in their gut that they can't seem to, you know, get rid of these staph infections? I mean, th- those are the questions that pop up in my head. And I'm sure they do you too, Cynthia. I mean, you've seen mm-hmm. these patients before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would just, I, I feel like if I could just take a certain part of the population and do these stool tests on them and pay for them to be done and then study them, it would be the most fascinating study. Um, but I think there's just so much out there that medicine doesn't understand. And there's mm-hmm. so much, the science is always changing. And with the study of the microbiome now, there's just so much we do not know. And I, I truly believe in 20 years, we'll be able to probably not have as much disease if we truly look at the microbiome. I, I really believe that's where uh, all of health will be heading. Now, whether mm-hmm. Western medicine will embrace that, yeah, I really am not that positive thinking that way. But, you know, I would hope that eventually sometime that that they will uh, get on board that bandwagon. But it tends to be that if they can't make a drug for that, you know, uh, they don't want to be involved. I'm I as someone with celiac disease, I'm really dismayed at the fact that they're trying to create a drug that will cure celiac disease, Mm -hmm. you know, knowing full well that that's not going to happen because it is a uh, it is a genetic disorder. So, you know, kind of frustrating. Yeah, totally. So you have these test results and we and we all know that there's individuality in our genetics and in how we express things. So how do you take those tests and then create um, foods that work for people? So you mentioned probiotics and prebiotic foods. Can you tell, talk a little bit about the difference between probiotic and prebiotic foods and how you use them? So probiotic foods, um, I actually, with a lot of my gut clients, I don't use them initially, just because a lot of people with overgrowths also have histamine issues, and probiotic foods can create more issues with those who have histamine issues. Um, I do use a lot of prebiotic foods, but I I use foods versus prebiotic supplements, because you Mm -hmm. can kind of control them a lot better. So someone having an artichoke heart on their salad, for example, probably won't have as much of an issue as if I gave them a capsule of of inulin or something um, that would actually cause them to be bloated. So I really encourage them to start looking at foods as uh, a part of their healing and make choices. Um, And then I also send clients home with recipes and encourage them to, uh, you know, maybe make this for dinner and that's going to be a prebiotic rich food. And then eventually once we get through the heal, the, uh, I don't want to say the killing phase, but that's kind of what we cause it, uh, call it once we uh, take care of the bad bacteria that's in their gut. Then we really start to target some prebiotic foods. And that's a tricky area because depending on the type of bacteria you're trying to create, pre- po- probiotic foods can sometimes even cause an overgrowth of others. And so 
You have to know exactly where your probiotic foods are coming from. I do a lot of fermentation in my home and I have great success with a lot of recipes, but I encourage my clients to buy probiotic made foods that we kind of have a little better control over knowing what it is versus doing their own. Uh, and then eventually I'll teach them how to make their own probiotic foods, fermentation, go into maybe some kombucha if they don't have a candida overgrowth, uh, you know, maybe some sauerkraut, that type of a thing, and uh, eventually have them utilizing foods versus the supplements so that they can rebuild their gut, um, you know, to achieve that level of health that they're looking to achieve. I love that. I, I you know, I, I wish that we were not separated by, you know, the the, the vast United States, because I always see your your posts on doing, um, you know, fermentation classes and things of that nature. But what a, an incredibly empowering, um, you know, item to kind of add to your repertoire that you can offer to your clients. Um, I can just imagine how wonderful it must be for them if they undertake the opportunity to, you know. Do you find yourself struggling to get a good night's sleep? If so, you may be dealing with a hidden mineral deficiency. It is not at all uncommon in perimenopause and menopause to deal with sleep challenges. And we know that one of many contributory reasons for poor sleep can be a reduction in specific minerals that help regulate sleep quality, including magnesium, which is involved in GABA, which is our body's main calming neurotransmitter. We also know that we need potassium to create melatonin. And this is a hormone that is a master antioxidant, but is also utilized to help induce sleep. We also think about things like zinc, which can balance excitatory neurotransmitters like glutamate. And if it's overactive, meaning if your glutamate levels are too high, it can prevent your brain from becoming more relaxed and inducing sleep. And lastly, selenium increases both our deep sleep and sleep duration. All these minerals matter a lot for sleep and any imbalances or deficits can have a major impact on the quality of sleep you get each night. And that's why I love Beam Minerals. They offer a full spectrum mineral supplement that gives you every essential mineral your body needs in the right doses, all in a highly absorbable liquid form. All you do is take a shot of bean minerals about an hour before bed. Don't worry, it tastes like water. And you'll replenish all of your body's minerals in about 30 seconds and give your brain what it needs for deep restorative sleep. I've been using this product over the last several months. I've really been impressed with the improvement in my sleep metrics, which I like to share on social media with my followers. And if you want a simple way to improve your sleep, head over to www.bminerals.com and use code Cynthia for 20% off your first order. That's www.bminerals.com and use code Cynthia for 20% off your first order. Today's podcast is sponsored by NutriSense. It combines cutting edge technology and human expertise so you can see how your body responds to different types of nutrition, stress, exercise, sleep, and where you are in your menstrual cycle in real time. And by pairing a continuous glucose monitor with their app and expert nutritional guidance, NutriSense can help you reach your health goals. And the best part is it's not just a program where they send you the CGM and you have to figure it out on your own. Each subscription plan includes one month of free expert nutritionist support. Your nutritionist will work with you one-on-one -on -one, interpreting your data 
and providing customized advice to help you reach your health goals. The last time I had my CGM on, my registered dietitian and I troubleshooted over some specific concerns that I had. And whether you're aiming to lose weight, stabilize your energy, or just feel better overall, NutriSense offers the guidance and support you need. And lasting sustainable change takes time and can be achieved through a longer term subscription. That's why I encourage my patients and clients to consider three, six, or 12-month subscriptions where it's actually less expensive and allows you to not only achieve your goals, but also to ensure that you stick to your healthy lifestyle for the long term. As I've mentioned before, I have found the CGMs I've used through NutriSense to be incredibly insightful, specifically to carbohydrate tolerance. I would not have known that plantains spiked my blood sugar without this information. It's also been hugely helpful for tailoring to workouts and sleep quality. And so for me, even though I am metabolically healthy, I find the insights to be particularly helpful to tailor my lifestyle changes to my blood sugar. Visit NutriSense.io slash EWP and use the code EWP for $30 off plus one month of free nutritionist support. Be sure to let them know you're a listener of the Everyday Wellness Podcast when they ask you how you heard about them. This is one of my favorite ways to take care of my health and one of my top recommendations for all of my patients and clients. You know, ferment some vegetables or, um, you know, ferment some tea and make kombucha, how wonderful that would be and empowering for them to be able to do it themselves. Absolutely. Because, you know, you can go out and buy this stuff. It's it's uh, almost readily available everywhere. But um, there's something about creating, it's kind of like growing your own vegetables, you know, you, you, uh, you make it, you nurture it, and then you get to enjoy it. And it's, uh, it's very empowering. Mm-hmm. And I think it also really makes it part of their lifestyle in that regard. It's not something they're just doing as a short term fix. It's this is the way that they're going to live their life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's my ultimate goal. You know, I can, I can try to get someone healthy, but if they're not willing to stick with it and make those lifestyle changes, because sadly, we live in a very toxic society. Our gut health is being assaulted every day by the foods that are available to us. And so we really, truly have to uh, make a concerted effort to focus on our own gut health. And I think by teaching them, you know, what's that old saying? teach someone how to fish you feed a village for the rest of you know eternity and so um teaching for me is the the uh probably the cherry on top if you will because i see that aha moment i see that light bulb come on and and um that is what fuels my joy so to speak that's awesome can you tell us what the biggest misconceptions are about gut health that you see in your clients or just in our society today um, well, it, you know, it really depends on whether you're looking at it holistically or looking at it from medicine. I think I, I'm a little bit saddened that a lot of gastroenterologists don't have a good understanding of the gut. Um, and I think eventually that will come. Um, the microbiome is so very important. I've, I've had so many GI docs say, um, probiotics are not a good thing to take. Well, they can be. They actually can be super helpful. And when I see medical doctors put people on antibiotics without encouraging them to get on a Saccharomyces boulardii probiotic to counteract the effects that the antibiotics are going to do to their gut, that just saddens me. Um, So I think the biggest misconception is that the gut doesn't matter. Um, Mm. It truly does matter. And if you want to get to the root of your health, 
issues, you have to really dig deep and look at the gut. So, um, you know, I keep, I keep preaching, I keep talking. I don't know if anyone's listening out there as far as from a Western medicine perspective. Um, and for me, what that looks like is I'll, I'll share with one of the docs that I work with, for example, hoping they'll spread it to their community. Um, wow, check out this. What have I, you know, this is what I've discovered and how fascinating is it that, for example, people with endometriosis are shown to have an overgrowth of E. coli into the, uh, the uterus and the uterine blood is actually full of E. coli and that's why these people have all of this pain and this overgrowth is because of the bacteria. And they look at me like I've got five heads, you know, mm, no, <laughs> it's like, it's, it's crazy. So, you know, that's, um, that's the biggest misconception. It, it, it really, everything starts in the gut and we really need to look, start really looking at this, um, uh, almost as pardon the expression, but almost as if the Bible of the body, that's where it, that's where it all mm-hmm. starts. It's going to mm-hmm. teach us so much. Well, I think, you know, certainly with Western medicine training, we aren't exposed to these kinds of concepts. But I I find that the colleagues of mine that are most receptive are often those that have undergone some type of a health challenge. And it could be something significant or something insignificant, depending on how you're looking at it. Uh, But usually it's been some kind of an insult. There's a nurse practitioner who's actually in the LA area that I got acquainted with over social media. And, you know, she had a health issue. And um, has started to kind of change her mindset. But I, I do find that there's definitely, you have to tread lightly in, in many avenues of social media about um, opinions related to anything that we're talking about. Because uh, there are some, some people who just believe so fervently in what they believe in that they're not willing to consider or unable to consider alternative perspectives. Um, I'm not sure, I'm guessing you probably trained at a big research university, but we were always encouraged to um, you know, to question things and, and to think beyond the obvious. And so I think that's, you know, kind of persisted in into what we're doing today. And I can see the benefits um, of, you know, both sides, you know, Western medicine definitely has a place, but, you know, functional, um, functionally focused, you know, gut health is, uh, as you stated, you know, really the, the one of the most important aspects of our health. And if that's unbalanced, it uh, creates uh, imbalances elsewhere in the body that sometimes, you know, don't seem quite so obvious, but can be very subtle. And I'm sure even for you, Kelly, you know, practicing and mental health, I'm sure, you know, gut health is super important, because we know that um, that is so intricate in, you know, neurotransmitter production, and, you know, food and mood, as we talk about as being so important. Um, You know, I'm, I'm curious, Tina, when you are working on gut health with your clients, um, and if they're dealing with anxiety and depression, as their gut health improves, do you see an improvement in in their psychological well being as well? Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's fascinating. I just did um, this last week, I did three uh, pediatric stool tests, and every single one of them has ADHD, and uh, maybe a little bit on the autism spectrum. Mm -hmm. Um, So anxiety, you know, tends to go with that. I mean, these kids are just they can't seem to control themselves so much. Almost every single one had, in addition to other overgrowths, had a strep overgrowth, you know, and we know a lot about pandas and Mm -hmm. this type of thing that oftentimes is related to a strep overgrowth, but to actually see it and physically have that test in front of me that I can share with those parents and show them that there is indeed a possible excuse for why their kid is like this is so, um, it's so rewarding for the parents to finally have an answer, you know, and then once we tackle that, 
and their child starts to come back and starts to, you know, have a little more eye contact or starts to be able to sit down and be calm at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. Simple things like that. It, it just, uh, you know, I use the word empowering a lot, but I think that's the thing with getting your health back is to try to empower people um, to understand how their bodies work. And anxiety and depression are huge. Some of my actual uh, symptoms that I had, in fact, that pointed to celiac disease, in fact, the first impression that I had celiac was my anxiety and depression. Cut out gluten, immediately those went away. So, you know, it's, it's amazing how when we start to look at how are the neurotransmitters made in our body that's in the gut. This is why probiotic foods are good. This is why we really need to get rid of some of those overgrowths that are happening so that people can make their neurotransmitters the way the body was designed so they're not anxious, they're not depressed. They don't have these um, neurological issues going on. And I see so many clients with anxiety and that's their only complaint is anxiety. It's like, well, Mm -hmm. let's look at what is causing that anxiety. Is it that, you know, the gluten and the grains in your body are creating some, uh, you know, some leaky gut, leaky brain type issue? Um, Do you have an overgrowth creating that issue? So there's so many things to look at. But yes, anxiety, I don't know that I have that I've seen anyone that hasn't had anxiety probably in the last five years, which Mm -hmm. is pretty, pretty frightening. It is. It's, it's really overwhelming. Um, I spoke with a group of primary care providers who practice in DC, and I asked them approximately what percent of their population that they see experiences anxiety. And they all laughed and said like 95 to 100% have some form of anxiety as part of their presenting issue. But if we, yeah, and they, they are forward thinkers, but they aren't nutritionally trained like this so to think about you know the types of things that they're probably recommending for the anxiety it's not getting to the root cause of what's really going on in their gut right right and you know and the the issues with the with the drugs and here's something i have a big issue with is oh let's throw some ativan at someone that has anxiety or let's put them on you know this drug or that drug and the issues that the those drugs cause to the microbiome actually can make it worse And then you've got the situation where someone's addicted to benzodiazepines for years and years and years. Um, It it it's a bit infuriating, and this is where you know I don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to bite the hand that feeds me. I am Western medicine trained. However, I think we need to start really looking at root cause versus just throwing a drug at at things. And um, you know that's that's the biggest issue I have with medicine is we need to stop allowing the pharmaceutical companies to kind of take over the medical school training. And I think that's what has happened, sadly. No, definitely. I've, I've seen that evolution over the last 20 years. And, you know, I, I think that people really practiced medicine in the 1990s. And I just have seen a profound uh, evolution. It's it's more concern for litigious issues. Correct. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, when I worked as an ER nurse in inner city Baltimore, the physicians there, for example, really worked up a patient. And and for anyone who's listening, what that represents is that they would take the time to really thoughtfully consider what was going on um, and spend a lot of time before they called in the specialists. And what it evolved into is that, you know, I, I went from working in ER medicine to cardiology as a nurse practitioner for 16 years. And when I was called down for a consult, if someone that was 20 years old 
who had no reason to really be admitted to the hospital had chest pain, they would call us for every consult known to man. They didn't work anyone up. Right. Um, and so that, you know, there's this separation. Everyone's getting very compartmentalized and uh, we're not thinking as thoughtfully as, as we probably once did. And we're relying too much on technology and not enough on physical exam skills. And, and gosh, I could talk to you for an hour just about that. <laughs> but um, getting back to the task at hand, um, I would really love... Um, to get, you know, if you've got like three top tips for gut health that you could share with listeners that they would be able to use as a takeaway, um, I know that would really be invaluable. So first and foremost, listen to your body. Try to find out what, what foods are causing you these issues. And it truly is a food probably that's triggering a lot of those issues. So listen to your body. Um, I would have to say find a practitioner who knows what they're talking about and who can help you through this journey because it's such a complex issue when it comes to the gut. You've got to really understand there's a lot of issue with genetics, with the microbiome, with overgrowth, with foods. There's such a complex issue. So find a good functional practitioner who can literally dig down deep to find out what those issues are. And, you know, the third one, and this is one that kind of throws people off, is I think the number one thing for all of us is find your joy. What is it that makes you happy? Take care of your body. Give yourself the sleep you need. Take out the stress. Find your joy. If that means walking in the forest, for me, it's sitting down at my piano and playing, you know, even if I play the same song for 45 minutes, that's okay. That brings me joy. If you give your body what it needs from a perspective of keeping yourself happy and then keeping yourself healthy through foods, through uh, your environment, then you will be healthy and you'll be a lot happier. And so, so finding your joy is a really important part of that equation. Oh, those are so valuable and mm -hmm. so comprehensive. Um, Tina, we really appreciate you being here today with us and sharing all of this valuable information with us and with our listeners. If listeners wanted to work with you or learn any more about you, can you tell us how they could do that? Sure. I, I do not have a website currently um, just because I am a single person and I'm doing my uh, between working at the, with, at the hospital and working this, I don't have time to maintain one, but they can contact me at tina.optimalhealth at gmail.com. Just send me an email. Let me know um, what they're interested in pursuing, and I'd be happy to, uh, to chat with anyone that way. Wonderful. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. It's lovely chatting with you ladies. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find out more about Cynthia and her work at chtwellness.com. And you can find out more about Kelly and her work at everydaytherapist.com. In addition, if you have questions for us or topics you'd like us to address, please email us at everydaywellnesspodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, be well.